Well, good morning. It is so good to be here, and it's so good to see you. Thank you for joining us online. We're in this series that we started right before Easter, and it's called Jesus Is. In fact, right uh, at our Good Friday service, a bunch of you came, and we have this little board behind that's kind of lit up, if you can see it. And, and you came up and a bunch of your friends and just wrote down, who is Jesus to you? Jesus is Savior. He's my rock. He's my hope. You know, he's my friend. He's kind. He's, and, and everything, you know, and that you think Jesus is to you and you know of what he's done in your life. And so in this series, we started in the Gospel of John and we talked about Jesus is alive And we looked at the resurrection story and what led up to the resurrection story. And then we went to the gospel of Mark and we said, Jesus is, do you remember that one? Amazing. Jesus is amazing, right? Today, we're going to be in the gospel of Luke. And if you want to open up your Bible to the gospel of Luke, I'm really going to read from chapter seven, but I want to give an overall view all the way through the gospel of Luke. Now, what did Luke do for a living? He was a doctor. He was a physician. And so what do you think over half of his book talks about? Healing. And so we're going to talk today about Jesus as the healer. And so Luke is fascinated by it. Because as a doctor, as a physician, he got to witness and see and experience and talk to people who had been healed by Jesus in ways that he could not operate as a physician. And so he is captivated by Jesus. And he gives examples all the way through his gospel about Jesus as the healer. Now, have you recently been a patient somewhere and you had to go to the hospital or a doctor or anybody besides me? So, um, so if you have, you know, it's an interesting experience. So I have recently been a patient. It started at the beginning of the year. Every year I go to my primary physician. And uh, I see him two times a year, and I'll do blood work once a year. And so I did blood work at the beginning of the year, and he called me after the blood work. And, and he said, uh, Rick, you need to come back in. I need to see you. And I said, well, okay. And so I went in and talked with him. He's a wonderful physician. In fact, all of the hosp- both hospitals that I was in and all of the physicians and nurses that I saw were fantastic to me. And so you just need to know that up front. So I went in and talked to my primary physician. And he sat down and he said, okay, Rick. Now, I've been seeing him for over a decade. Now, Rick, what is going on with you? Something's going on. Because your blood work came back and it's very different than all your other blood work that we've previously done. And I said, well, if you remember, uh, I had a 9 o'clock appointment that morning. And you asked me to do blood work right after it, and I just did. But, but right before I got to your office, I had gone to Hardy's and had two steak biscuits and a large Coke. <laughs> Would that have anything to do with the results that came out out of my blood work? And he said, well, maybe a little, but not this much. And I said, okay. And he said, there are four things, four primary things that we need to look at. And the, the two most serious ones was my kidney and my heart. And so it was... So we need to look at your kidneys because I've got some red flags and and your heart issue, which is the bigger issue we need to look at. And so right now, you are in stage two chronic kidney failure. And I'm like, what? 
Am I going to die? I mean, do I need to go ahead and start preparing my funeral? Is something, what's going on? What is stage two chronic kidney failure? Just to be caught off guard with, why didn't you tell me I had stage one? I mean, what is stage two chronic kidney failure? And, and I thought, is this a huge deal? And they pay, hopefully it's not too, it's just an early warning sign and it's just some red flags, but I want to send you to the hospital and do some, an ultrasound on your kidneys to find out if you have any stones or any tumors or any mass in your kidneys because you have restricted blood flow. And I'm like, okay. So I go to that hospital and uh, fill out the paperwork. Have any of you done this right? Have all of you done this right here? I, I mean, I went in and I got a copy of, you know, now this is a blank copy of it, but I'm like, they're like, hey, sit down. We have just a couple of questions that you'll need to answer, you know, before we get started. I'm like, okay. And so I started, do you have diabetes, high blood pressure, stroke, heart trouble, easy bleeding, jaundice, alcoholism, tuberculosis, obesity, gout, asthma, psychiatric illness, allergies, or do you have cancer? What's happened in your, in your past? What about your parents? What about your family? Do you take non-prescription drugs, prescription drugs, or recreational drugs? <laughs> Where do you get them? And... Uh, <laughs> Have you ever been treated for a nervous condition? Have you ever been a patient of any type in any hospital? What about your parents? Where are they? What's your history? Have you ever lived with anyone who had tuberculosis, coughed up blood, been a sleepwalker? Do you wear glasses? Do you have hearing aids? Do you wear a brace? What about scarlet fever, rheumatic fever, swollen joints and dizziness and eye trouble, limit joint? Do you have cramps in your legs? I'm reading this stuff and I'm like, I've got every bit of this stuff. I am an old man and I've hurt at every one of my joints. And I'm like, good night. I thought I was dying just going through the paperwork. I did not know there was so many different things that you could have wrong with you. And so, I, and then there was just page after page. And then at the end, they're like, is there anything that we did not mention that you need to tell us about? And then sign your life away and tell us how much money you have in the bank. And after that, <laughs> the doctor will see you. And I'm like, well, okay. And so I fill out all the paperwork. And actually, it was really easy at West Florida because you can do it all online. And by the time you get there, you don't have to do any waiting. It was just amazing. Anyway, so, so I go in. And uh, I do an ultrasound on my kidneys. And I get home, and I, they, I, I'm on the portal, and so I can read the report. And they call back, and they're like, look, uh, you don't have any restricted blood flow in your kidneys. You don't have anything that's blocking. You don't have any stones. You don't have any tumors, any mass. You, your blood flow through your kidneys is normal. Everything is fine. So you're good. I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay. thank you. And so I, then the next one was, okay, but we have a couple of red flags with your heart. You need to know that you have a blockage in your heart and you have restricted blood flow going down to one of your arteries. And I said, okay, so we need to send you to do some stress tests. And I said, all right. So I go to the hospital and I do two different stress tests on two different days. I get a call uh, the after the, I guess the next morning. From my physician, Rick, you have an abnormality in your heart. You have some kind of blockage that's keeping blood flow from getting down to the bottom of your heart. And I need to send you to a cardiologist. I said, okay. So I go to the cardiologist. Fantastic cardiologist. 
And so I'm sitting down in front. He comes and he introduces himself. And one of the questions was, what is your legal name and what do you like to be called? And he came in and he called me by, what I, by Rick instead of Richard. And he said, Rick, I've seen the results of your stress test. We did an EKG. I've seen the results of your EKG. However, I have not heard from you how all of this started. Just tell me the story. And I'm like, that is awesome. I'm a preacher. I can talk way too much. <laughs> he listened, asked me additional questions. Have you ever felt this? Have you ever felt that? Have you ever seen it? Have you ever, ever? Then he looks at my wife, Suzanne. Have we, have we missed anything? What concerns, what questions do you have? Is there anything? He sat me down. Okay, I want to examine you. He examined everything. And then he stood right in front of me. And he said, okay, Rick. The stress test showed that you have restricted blood flow. The EKG shows that you have it. And so I want to do a heart cath on you. And I want to schedule it. I want you to come in. Let's do the procedure. And we're going to be ready at that time to take care of anything that needs to be taken care of. We'll put in stents if that's what we need to do. You'll know exactly what's going on in all of your arteries. And if it requires a more invasive procedure after that, we'll stop the procedure We'll have a conversation and talk about what we want to do next. I said, okay. So Tuesday, I went in and uh, had a heart cath done. And so it's amazing what they can do. Just amazing what they can do. And uh, so I still have a shaved arm. And they prepared me and they prepared the room, which was amazing. And they went in, and I, you know, you can feel a little bit as it goes up your arm, but it's not painful. It, 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 you know, you really feel nothing. It was not a big deal by way of procedure and process. It is a big deal what they discover, what they find, and what they can do. And at the end of it, he comes over, and I'm talking. I'm awake the whole time, and he's talking to me the whole time. And at the end of it, he comes over, and he says... You have no blockages in any of your arteries at all. You have no restricted blood flow. And I'm like, wait a minute. The stress test, images, the EKG, what about all of that? He says, well, every now and then it's kind of rare, but there's a false positive. And I said, I don't have any blockages. He said, you don't have anything that we can do for you at all. And he turned around and walked away. Almost like, I think he's disappointed that he didn't get to have some fun or something. But I'm like, I mean, it was so, it was hard for me to hear because it was so different than what I'd heard before. So much so that all I can say is, praise God. Praise God, God, right? Now, I am not the picture of perfect health. It does not mean that I don't have issues. As an old man, That I mean, there are still a couple of things that I have to do, but listen, listen, listen. It's not just me. I mean, just I'm listening to other people's stories. I'm listening to what's going on with Jesse. My heart just runs after her. And thank God for a fantastic anesthesiologist who has partnered up next to that family to not only communicate everything going on, but to help make decisions that can lead to a healthy future. And thank God for his provision and for all of her, you know, progress. You're right? And it's not just that. Today, right now, I have a good friend here in this church who's in the hospital and uh, who 
needs healing from God. This week, I had someone come up and tell me, there's a nine-year-old girl in our church who is having issues. She needs healing from God. And so today, I want to talk about Jesus as healer, according to the Gospel of Luke. But I actually don't want to do any more talking from me. I want to spend the rest of our message today and let Luke talk to you. And so, from this point all the way through the end of the message, I'm going to talk as if I'm Luke, if that's okay with you. And so, good morning <laughs> and welcome. I'm really, really glad that you're here. You may notice at this point things are a little different because today we're not in a worship center. You're actually in the waiting room uh, of a physician. Hello, my name is Luke, and I'm the one to greet you. I'm a doctor, or at least I thought I was, until I met the great physician. There's this quote that I really love by this theologian, Jorgen Moltmann. Jesus' healings are not supernatural miracles in a natural world. They are the only true natural thing in a world that is unnatural demonized and wounded they are tangible signs that God is putting the world back to right see you were designed to live forever but because of the sin in the garden that has now run throughout our world and because of the brokenness and the disease that has come from that we are broken we live in a broken world and when the great physician came along, I watched him put things back to right that were meant to be right. And not just temporarily, for all time, for eternity. He really healed people. And he caused me to begin asking questions in my own mind about who I am and my office and who am I as a physician. Because even though I'm a doctor, he's the great physician. And I know you're here today because there's something inside you that needs healing. And I know it because it's in everybody. You have past that you need healing from. You have a relationship that has gone south and you need healing. You have questions. You have issues. You have concerns about family members or relatives and you see early warning signs. And you know that if something doesn't happen, this might not end well. And in your own life, you carry things that you are not meant to carry. And as a physician, it caused me to ask a lot of other questions about what was going on. Like, what does healing look like? And what form does it take? And how do you know when you are healed? Or if you've healed someone else? And as I'm asking the questions about what is it that I'm doing, I've noticed that I can, as a physician, I can mend people's lives temporarily and help a little bit. But the great physician is very different. The one you came to see today changes people for all time. He heals them from the inside out and radically alters their life. 
And he restores to them living a life of power, hope, and joy. And so I've got some paperwork for you to fill out. There's a lot of questions. But as you fill out those questions, I, know, I, I need you to hear me because there are some very important questions that he's going to ask you. And, and if you can't answer those questions well, he's going to be greatly limited in what he's going to be able to do for you. Here are some of those questions. Why are you here? What is it today that you need from the great physician? And do you have a physical, mental, emotional, or relational ailment? Which, which category? What is it that you're wanting him to? Maybe you have two or three in different areas that you need him to deal with that you want to talk with him about. And can you... Can, he'll, he'll want to sit down and he'll want to find out from you, when did all of this start? When did it begin? And he wants to listen while you tell him the whole story. And more than that, how will you know when you're cured? And what will change? If he, if he cures you, if he heals you, if he comes to respond in your life, what will change in you? Will your life look different? And what will it look like after you're healed? And the most important question of all, are you willing to do what the doctor requires of you? And this is the question that will determine how much he's able to do for you. And you have to pause and begin answering some of these questions. And while you do, while you ponder why you're really here, I just want you to know I'm excited because he wants to see you. He wants to meet with you. And even though he can heal you from whatever it is that you bring, he waits until you come to him. He's already come to you. He's here today. And he wants to meet with you. So while you're thinking about all that, I want to tell you, because Jesus is the healer, run to him with all your heart. Run to him with all your heart. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if you'll just open up to me, I will be with you. So, some of you may be asking, what kind of a physician is he? What has he done in the past for anybody else? I mean, can I really trust him? Well, let me just share with you some examples of some of the things that he's done for different people. There was this evil spirit that was in this young man. And so he begins crying after Jesus. And Jesus turns around. And Jesus could tell that it wasn't the young man who was just yelling and screaming and acting out. He could tell there was something inside him that was causing that. And so Jesus loved the boy and removed the evil spirit. He can tell when there's something in you that needs to be removed and still love you with all of his heart. He can see the difference in all of that. 
And the evil spirit left that young boy. And people were amazed. You remember Peter? You know, Peter's all over the place. He's a follower of Jesus. And he just is a powerful young man. Well, he was married. And his mother-in-law had this high fever. And a bunch of us just asked Jesus, could he heal, you know, uh, her, his mother-in-law? And so Jesus just walked over next to the bed where she was lying. And, and he just gently whispered for that fever to leave her. And instantly, the fever left her. And she got up and just started working in the house and serving people food. And it's just amazing. You heard, you, heard, you know, Peter's mother-in-law is just an unbelievable woman. And after that, many people began to hear that Jesus, the great physician, the one you've come today to see, can heal people of anything. And all these people started coming to Jesus with all different kind of things. And he smiled, and he laughed, and he loved, and he touched all of them, and they were healed. And so even though there's a, a, a big crowd here today, he has the time for every one of you, whatever it is that you're bringing. And then, you know, the, these apostles, they didn't have any faith, and this goes back to Peter. They had this miraculous catch of fish. And, and they don't know where it came from. This healing was really not anything physically in them, but it was a healing spiritually in them. And it caused them to really believe that Jesus was who he said he was. And then there was this leper. And these friends brought him, and they couldn't get to Jesus, but they wanted. And so they tore a hole in a roof, and they lowered him down. And, and Jesus had people who didn't want him to heal that young man and, and everybody else who did and Jesus helped this guy who had never been able to walk, to stand and walk. And it shocked all of us. There was this man who had a right hand that was kind of withered. And he couldn't use it. And, and Jesus healed his hand. And it was pretty simple, pretty amazing. You may think, well, that's not really a big deal. But it was to him. It changed his life. And the way he could work and provide for his family. And then there was this centurion servant and this widow's son. If it's okay with you, can I just tell you what I wrote about it? This is, we call it Luke chapter 7. When Jesus had finished saying all these things to people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. And there was this centurion servant whom his master valued highly. He was sick and about to die. And the centurion heard of Jesus and sent someone uh, sent some of the elders and the Jews to him saying, come and heal his servant. And so, so even though this guy was not a, a Jew, he was a centurion, Roman centurion, and, and very powerful, by the way. But he was very kind to the Jews. And he wanted to see Jesus, but he really didn't feel worthy to see Jesus. So he sent other people who he thought was more worthy but he still wanted his servant healed. So when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with Jesus, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. All, all that Jewish contingency said, this is a really good man. And he's really kind to us. And we would love to see you help him. So Jesus said, okay. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve, deserve 
to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. This man was so humble when he approached Jesus. I don't know how you're going to approach Jesus. But when this man approached Jesus, he didn't feel worthy of anything in his own life. But he really wasn't asking for himself. He was asking for another man that he did not want to see suffer. But can you see his humility? Can you see the way he approached Jesus? And look at what Jesus said. For I myself of a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one to go and he goes. And I tell that one to come and he comes. So I say to my servant, do this and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And Jesus was amazed at the faith of the centurion. And turning to the crowd following, he said, I tell you, I've not found such great faith even in Israel. Those of you who say you follow me. Those of you who are looking for the Messiah. Here is someone that doesn't even believe in that. And he has more faith than you. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and they found the servant well. Jesus didn't even have to go to his house. He has the, he has the kind of power that even if you don't see him, he hears you and he sees you and he can heal you. Are you humble enough to ask? Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. And as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Luke, I just love giving you the details so that you know the situation. This lady had no way to provide for herself or her future. This was her only son, so now she has no way to make a living. A large crowd from that town was with her. So her two crowds, and they merge. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Have you noticed how amazingly kind Jesus is? And he went up and he touched the, the briar, and they were carrying him on. And the bear stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Have you ever seen anything like that? This man Jesus that you came to see today is amazing. So, in chapter 8, he calms a storm. And then someone else comes to Jesus. And it was Jairus. And he's like, hey, I have this daughter. And she's about to die. I know you can heal her. Can you come and heal her? Jesus said yes. And on his way, there was a woman who had been bleeding for years. And nobody could do anything about it. And she said, if I could just get close to him, if I could just touch him, I know I could be healed. And he didn't even see her coming. He just felt it. And she touched him. And instantly she was healed. And then Jesus turned around, and he didn't want to just heal her and not begin a relationship. So he said, tell me the whole story, just like Dr. DeLuke did to me. And she told him the whole story. And she talked really long, because while she was talking, a crowd came back and told, look, don't bother Jesus anymore. Jairus, your daughter has passed away. And so they began to back away and say, Jesus, you no longer have to go. And he's like, no, 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 I'm going to go. And he goes, and when he gets there, he finds this young girl has passed away. And he's like, 
She hasn't passed away. She's just asleep. And people laughed at him. So he just sent them all out of the room. Look, I don't need your laughter. And then he says to the little girl, get up. And she did. And they weren't laughing anymore. Because Jesus is amazing. There was this man who was mute. And Jesus healed him. Feeding of the 5,000. There was a boy with an unclean spirit. Even the apostles couldn't cast this spirit out of this young man. And his parents were so worried about what was happening in his life. And Jesus stopped and and listened to everything and healed that young boy and gave him back to his parents. There was a woman for 18 years. She couldn't stand straight. Her back was messed up and she was bent over and Jesus saw her condition. And he just went up to her and said, can I help you? And he spoke, and she was able to stand up for the first time in 18 years. And he dramatically changed her life. There was a man with dropsy. He had this water buildup in his feet, probably caused a little bit by a heart condition. And they couldn't do anything about it, and Jesus just healed him. And that's not enough. There were 10 lepers. They all came to Jesus. He healed every one of them. Only one was grateful. He restored the sight to Bartimaeus, this man who had been born blind. And was begging, he was begging, just trying to live life. And Jesus just healed him. And then, when they came to take Jesus away, you would think that he would not be that kind to people who were his enemies. But when Peter chopped off the ear of one of these men, Jesus said, put your sword away, picked up the ear, put it back on the man, on just his head, and healed him. That guy was changed for life. And if that weren't enough, while he was on the cross, there was a thief, two guys. One was making fun of Jesus and the other was saying, this guy didn't do what, he didn't deserve this. I deserve it. I did everything they're accusing me of. And you know, he just asked Jesus, Jesus, will you remember me in your kingdom? And Jesus said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Jesus didn't heal him physically. He healed him spiritually and for eternity. And that's what you have in front of you today. And I know you've come today because you've got something. And so I'm going to end the way I began. Why are you here? What will change if Jesus heals you? And are you willing to do what the doctor requires of you? Now, Jesus is the healer, but you have to run to him with all of your heart. I'm not going to spend time going over it, but you can do it. So what I highlighted in my Bible as I'm reading all of these situations is that it was the people who went to Jesus. Just out of chapter 4 and 5. And they ran to Jesus and asked him to help this girl. The young man who had that evil spirit cried out after Jesus. And when the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses. In chapter 5, it was the crowd of people that came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses.
And then the young man who was a paralytic, some of the men carrying this man on a mat tried to take him into the house and lay him before Jesus. And there's every one of the stories, every one of the stories, there were a few where Jesus saw someone in pain and he went and ran to them. He's already come to you. But listen, he wants to know that you want him to help you. And he waits, and he waits, and he waits. And so today, I'm going to invite you to come and pray and ask for whatever healing you need in your life. And healing shows itself in a lot of different ways. Do you have things in your past that still creep up and hinder your future? Are you suffering from a broken relationship? Do you have things physically that you need to bring to Jesus? Are you depressed? Are you lonely? Are you hurting? Do you want to come and pray for our nation and our city? And the gaps that seem to separate. I see Alan coming down. I see Leon, two of our elders. Would you come down front, Leon? Do you mind? I'm going to ask Alan to join me. I'm going to ask Leon to join me. If you love praying with people and would be willing to pray for someone, I'm going to ask you to come up. Aaron, I know you do this with people, and so if you want. And today is a little different. I'm going to ask every one of you to stand, and we're going to play a song. The band has already said, if I were sitting out there, I would come up and ask for healing. They can't. They're going to be playing a song. But they chose this song called, Lord, I Need You as their way to sing that they need God. And so, would you stand with me? Would you just stand? And even though it might be uncomfortable, I'm going to ask you, if you want Jesus to heal you of something in your life, you need to bring it to Him. And today, right now, it's available to you. This is the place where we ask for healing. Amen? This is the place where we ask for prayer, where we begin praying and asking God, I need you, Lord God. And so, your first step is the hardest one. After that, Jesus is with you. And so, don't delay. Don't hesitate. Come. And I'm going to ask you just to come up front. And over the next five minutes, we're going to have prayer time. And if you want to pray with somebody, if you want Jesus in your life, then you come. I can't wait to pray. I'm going to begin the prayer. And as I do, let's just go ahead and start the time. Lord God, we're coming to you right now. We have come into your waiting room. We have come to be touched by Jesus. We have come to be healed of different things in our life. And you are the great physician. You have said to us, you have not because you ask not. But ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. So today, we're going to ask, seek, and knock. Thank you for hearing our prayer. In the name of Jesus, the great physician, amen. Come and let's pray together.